We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. I am in the newly renovated Virgin Hotel here in Vegas. It is fight week. We have a big top rank card on ESPN, so I'm in the building covering it from here, but still taking time out to record this week's boxing and MMA episode for you guys. How nice, right? Never too busy to record a show. So we'll be talking about that later on. We'll talk about the Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder drama, 
that is going around that seems never ending. And we'll probably have 13 million updates by the time we do our show next week. And then, of course, we'll recap UFC 262 and preview the UFC Fight Night card that is coming up this weekend. But first, Dre, we are here. I am officially 33 years old. And like I did last year, I will make a prediction. No bad bets in 2021. No bad bets at the age of 33. So that means feel no, it. that means no bets, right? No, I did not say no bets. No, no. bad bets. No, every bet you make is bad. So that means eh. no bets. It's a, that's a matter of opinion. Oh, okay. I, I've I, been unlucky so far. So my, I don't want to bet. Brother, my tummy says otherwise. You fill me up <laughs> with these delicious <laughs> meals from your bets. So, yes. No bet. You must mean no bets. We'll see. We'll see. You got one year. We'll see how long you hold on without making a bad bet or a bet in general that you're going to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we might get Floyd Mayweather, Jake Paul on Showtime pay-per-view in the next year. I might feel fraud. I might throw out a, a hefty number. You might be able to talk me into three mil buys. Three mil yeah, is too not. much. Two mil. Two mil. I feel like if we want to bet on the two, see, this is wisdom. This is me getting older. I'm talking myself down in real time. Last year, it was the opposite. And I talked myself up to four million. Yeah. And that was the worst bet I've made. So again, I've grown. I don't know if that was the worst bet. The handshake deal was pretty bad. Handshake deal was bad. Who knew? His production quality on on that video was so well done. Who knew AEW would have tossed him some change for it? I, I mean, <laughs> living you learn. I was 31 at that time. So if that's my worst bet, my worst bet came at my youngest age, and I'm getting better with time. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting more self-restraint. I am saying less and less hot takes, which is bad. I got to get back on form. People on Twitter be hitting me up like, yo, what's going on? I was like, yeah, I know. I'm rusty. I gotta get gotta get back on it. The hot takes gotta keep flowing. Now, now we're even. Now you're talking about medium well steaks and not like no, 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 no. We're on the same level. No, no, absolutely not. How dare you? We are not on the evil even playing field with hot takes. It's not true. One medium well steak versus six years of hot takes from you. It's not even close. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, we're we're narrowing the gap. Um, no, one thing that we're starting off today's show is, I specifically again, this comes with age. I am aging like a fine wine, not the franzia that I drink. Oof. Today, the first topic could have tripped me up. It could have went and made me revert back to one of my hot takes, but I sidestepped it. I was like, nope, not going this way, because we've talked about this show several times. It always goes left, because we always make the comparison to the Cosby show and get wrapped up in one of the hot takes. I ain't going to do it. Today, we are just going to celebrate. It has been 25 years since the Fresh Prince ended. It's been going around social media, because if you type something into Google and then click, and it brings up all this Fresh Prince stuff. Cool little way to honor it after a quarter of a century off air. And Will Smith's still around. They just did the reunion show. So we talked about it a few months ago. But this being the finale, 25 years since the finale, it had me thinking, 
man, that finale was so good. And Will sitting there in the empty house, very few shows end on such a high note. And I thought it was hand like the last season probably wasn't the greatest, but it didn't have a Martin fall off. I think Fresh Prince, when you look back, it, it stands the test of time. We talk about this all the time. Like it ages well. It holds up today. Yeah. I mean, the Fresh Prince after all these years, it's yeah, the show has definitely held up. I'm trying to figure out where you're going with this because this has got to be going somewhere. Oh, it's, it's not going a hot somewhere. Take. No, where it's not we- a hot take. Okay. It, it, is, right. it is one of the the random questions that I spring on you. Not a hot take. Here we go. Just a question that go I spring it. on you. When stuff ends well, people clamor for more. When we get these nostalgic moments, the celebrations 25 years later, especially with Black movies, Black shows, this all leads to one place. So I'm trying to get ahead of it. It leads to a reboot. Oh, fuck. It always does. So instead of looking at this after they decide to ruin Fresh Prince in three years, they brought back Saved by the Bell. It's not not even black shows. Saved by the Bell came back. We got Mighty Ducks on Disney+. Plus. We have The Karate Kid, which you say has done very well. It's It's a high probability that we'll probably get a Fresh Prince reboot. If you had to choose one rapper from today to cast in that reboot, Instead of Will, who's who's your guy? Ah, you go for or go or your girl. You because you, you know first. nowadays you never know. Go first. Um, oddly enough, and I, you know, you got to look at age. You got to look at situation. If it was me casting this, and it's not even someone I'm like overly into, personality wise though. And he's just kind of a goofball. I would probably go with Lil Yachty. Wow. Yo, I think Lil Yachty's hilarious. I don't like his music per se, but I think he has like a lot of good interviews. His personality, his videos are very funny and creative. I'm, I'm going with Lil Yachty. He sold me with that City Girls video. Dog, I, I don't know. <laughs> Like you, you know, hate reboots. I, <laughs> well, see, you know, like Karate Kids and the reboots, like a continuation, right? Okay. So, so Will can, becomes can... Uncle Phil. Sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That's tough because there's not too many young people. My thing was between Lil Yachty and um, what is Osaka's boyfriend? I don't know why his name's Well, name. see, that's the one I was thinking of, uh, Corday, right? Like, Corday, that was, yeah. That was, that was the only rapper that popped in my head. I was like, you know what? Corday's got a presence about himself. He looks like he could be in something like this. I don't know if the kid can act, but sure. I mean, no one knew if Will can act. Will could act at that point, right? That's also true. So I'll, I'll go with Corday. I guess I'll go with Corday. I, I just, I don't, you know, I don't want no goddamn reboot. <laughs> Just gotta leave it alone. Yeah. I, I saw someone on Twitter the other day talking about hot takes. Someone was like, yo, when are we gonna say blackish is really just a ripoff of the Cosby's? What? And I was like, that's spicy. That's stupid. That's, that's spicy. They have a similar it? part. I get it. It's but it's just a black family. But that's I guess it. they're like an affluent, you know, black parents who have great jobs. The kids aren't broke, they're not in the hood. I I, I could see it. I mean, that's that's like saying the Fresh Prince is 
a ripoff of the Cosby's. Just because you have a black family doesn't make it similar. Is that is it so strange to have black people together that we have to call everything like a ripoff? Everything's <laughs> if you have a black family and not in turmoil, it's right. a ripoff of the Cosby. Come show. on, man, that's that's terrible. That, that's terrible. And and I think, and I mean, I, and I love blackish, but no, no, just because no, absolutely not. There's the Cosby Show was like the the genesis of it all. And speaking of. And now that you brought up the Cosby show and before we go into more of Fresh Prince, I got to say recipes to Paul Mooney. Uh, yes. Damn, 79 years old, man. I can't. This year is like just it just makes you feel old, like when people keep passing away. And it feels like I just saw Paul Mooney. It's like Paul Mooney, New Jack and like New Jack recently passed away, even though it's not the pro wrestling show. But I just mean Jack with DM last month and he's gone. It's, this is crazy, man. It's, so it's like Paul Mooney recipes, one of the greatest comedians of all time. He's written so much phenomenal stuff. Uh, but yeah, that just made me when you said Cosby, we think comedians, Paul Mooney. But uh, yeah, man, we can't, we can't. It's, that sounds like a joke that Paul Mooney would make. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's <laughs> just because everybody's black doesn't mean it's like the same show. It's not sure, even yeah. they're different shows. Like Blackish is very different from the Cosby Show. But agree, I like Blackish. Um, so let's continue uh, before we get stuck in that in that one. Oh, throw that little jab in there. Not gonna do it. Not today. Uh, no, can't can't do it. Um, the other question is thinking back to the Fresh Prince. Growing up, were you more Will or were you more Carlton? Everybody oh. got to be one of. Oh, I guess it could be a match, but I was I was more Carlton than Will when I was a kid. I was I was a fucking nerd, and but <laughs> I, I tried to grow up to become Will, but I, I was more Carlton. I called Carlton Carlton when I was a kid. It's tragic, but really, you know, yeah. <laughs> I did see you in a picture with like all white on, with like short golfing shorts, like above the knee. Yeah, it was it was. So I could Carlton. see it. <laughs> and you talked about all the time your grandma not giving you the proper haircuts until you were old enough to go by yourself. Yeah, yeah. There was they had a couple super cuts fade. They weren't fades. They were it's like trimming hedges, man. They they even fucked me up as a kid. So I, my blackness came the hard way. Like I had to figure it out because my grandmother had no idea what the fuck was going on. You say it like people in wrestling when they get cut the hard way. <laughs> like, like, yo, no, my blackness came the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> like a Nick Gage match. All right. So uh, I'd be growing up my three years of being extremely fat aside, I would say I was definitely always more well because I was into sports. I was into sports, came from New York, moved to Vegas. That shit's like moving to Beverly Hills. Like when you go from, I went from PS 41 and uh, MS 113, all that good stuff. Um, all the way over to Vegas and they have separate lunch lines for people who actually bring money to school without fear of getting robbed for said money or without gambling it, playing CeeLo on your lunch break. So like people actually brought money to spend on food. That was the, I'm telling you, the one thing that amazed me, I was standing in line and someone bought Doritos and nacho cheese. (laughs) And I was like, this is the craziest shit. And then they had Fruitopia. I said, wait, it's just not cans of soda? Like, y'all got fancy shit. Like, I did Fruitopia, and, like, it had a strawberry melon flavor. With, yo, you couldn't tell me nothing. That shit was, like, crystal to me. That's so, amazing. yeah. <laughs> it 
Prince. But I have my Will Smith Fresh Prince moment when you come over and be like, yo, this is amazing. Like, yo, these people live in large. So definitely more Will than Carlton. But, you know, I had the Carlton side. I feel like, obviously, we talked about on the show, like, I liked pro wrestling. I was a video game nerd playing Halo on breaks. So I feel like it was a perfect mesh of both. And then, you know, you were doing step shows and had the, the curls for the girls and the baby hair. So you definitely tried to transform into more Stefan Urkel than Will, but something similar. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, kid, more Carlton. When I grew up, got older, I was like, I got to be fresh. I can't do this. Yeah. I can't be a nerd my whole life. Captain Lightskin in high school. <laughs> Keep your girl yeah. away from Dre. Yeah, don't, don't bring around me. <laughs> it, was a, it was a cold world by then. Um, and then the last question I had is a simple one. We always finish on this note. A Mount Rushmore, because it's always fun to do these. This finale sticks out to me, of course, it made the meme and the gif, of, you know, just sitting in the crib by yourself, kind of whistling, everyone's gone. What's your Mount Rushmore for television show finales? I'm not sure if this one's on it. This one's really well done for me, but I don't think it makes my final four finale. Let me guess. Your number one is Friends. Friends is really well done. It's not my number one. <gasps> Tragedy. Um, yeah. <laughs> let me think. So my top finales of all time, Breaking Bad, Six Feet Under, The Office, off the top of my head. Seinfeld's finale wasn't very good. Um, the Wires wasn't very good either. Mm. See, The Sopranos was super polarizing. I liked it. I hated it. I didn't even hate the end like everybody else did, but I liked the final episode and the tension ratcheting it up because it felt like the walls were closing in on Tony. And I can't think of another show that I really loved the finale as much as those three. Maybe The Sopranos. Give yours. Sopranos is probably my, my best finale. Yeah, I guess that's my, yeah. Yeah, The Office, Six Feet Under, Sopranos, and yeah, that's what I said. Office. You really like Six Feet Under. I got to go back and watch it. My mom watched it, and I was like in and out. It's amazing. It is one of the, I I say it all the time on the show, it's one of the best shows ever. And then Breaking Bad, of course. I love the finale, Breaking Bad. Okay, so I watched Breaking Bad. You got to fix that. I can't do it again. I can't. This, this something wrong. <laughs> it's one of the best shows ever. How are you not watching? I this? only, I all the time I get to episode four and I stop. You got to get past the first few episodes. The table setter. You got to get past those first couple of episodes. That's it. Just get past those first few episodes. <sighs> so tough. No, it's no, not. So- <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> I will. I'll try to make it. Um, so give me Sopranos. Um, Friends is probably in my top four. Just because Rachel gets off the plane, she comes back, her and Ross end up together. It's perfect. They had to end up together. Like, I, I loved that finale. Boy Meets World is in my top four. Because that's really dope. Um, just everyone going off on their own. Corey, Sean kind of partying. But wrapping up the Corey Topanga storyline. I mean, I'm a sucker for Boy Meets World. And then... I'd probably say The Wire delivered a really, really good finale. 
it wasn't my favorite. It's you know what? Like another show, another like show. I don't need it to come back. Like I feel no, perfectly no. fine with how the wire ended. Like I'm good. And that happens very rarely. Like there's some shows of fucking Game of Thrones. <laughs> like well, I yeah. snap through that. Like where you can really shit the bed. Now I'm looking forward to this dragon spin-off because it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, look, the wire didn't have a bad ending. It just didn't, it wasn't my favorite ending. Like one of my other favorite end finales was Parks and Recreation and Friday Night Lights. Um, <clears throat> that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. I love Friday Night Lights. It's another great show. Uh the wire, as good as it was, eh, not it doesn't, it's not on my Mount Rushmore. It's my favorite show of all time, but it doesn't have my favorite finale. See, I, I like the finale. My favorite show, probably. I mean, I'm a sitcom guy, so probably my favorite show ever, Seinfeld. I would say the finale is arguably the worst episode of that show. If not, it's top three worst episodes. The finale sucked. Oh, the finale Seinfeld finale sucked. The finale felt like, because season one of Seinfeld was like the show trying to figure out what it was. Yep. And then, and then like, kind of really caught its footing in se- midway through season two and then starting season three. But that last season wasn't very good. It wasn't bad. Oh, they got some gems on that last season. They do, but it's nothing compared to like season four. Like, no, but no. that finale, I was just like, that's it. That that's how we're gonna end this. Okay. Yep. Seinfeld, right. Dexter. In terms of like bad finales, Seinfeld, right. Dexter, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. It almost ruins the whole series, and it's a yeah. very good show. Good thing I didn't watch. No. It. Yep, want to throw that shit out the window. Like, it's that might be the worst finale I've ever seen. Game of Thrones included, Dexter included. How I Met Your Mother finale might be the worst series finale I've seen in my life. Yeah, see, so yeah, The Wire's that's close. That is just, um, yeah, it's the worst, man. I can't even, can't say nothing good about it. Like, I'm trying to think, like, there's nothing redeemable about How I Met Your Mother finale. It's the worst shit I've ever seen. Uh, there's, there's been some pretty bad finales. Living single finale, finale was pretty shitty, but I didn't like. Well, see, the last like season. those, those are shows to me. Like living single, it like limped on its way out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like girlfriends, you know, I like girlfriends, but it kind of, it, it, just, girlfriends just kind of ended. If anybody's yeah. ever seen girlfriends, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The shit just kind of ends, and you're like, kind of like the shit. game. The game limped to an ending. Oh, man, that fucking show is coming back again. Again? On Paramount Plus. No, we're done. No, I'm good. Yo, you got to There's some things, you know, they say, let sleeping dogs lie. Let the dead dog die. Just let that motherfucker go. Because the game, it's so over for that show. When that show came to BET, I was like, it was over there. Yeah. Like, you're not going to catch lightning in a bottle again. Like, it was dope for a while. It lasted. But I I never thought it was that. Like, it was good. But, like. I was like, it's not that good. First three seasons, I was in, like, maybe two and a half. Like, it was legit. Like, I thought it was, like, any given Sunday, but, like, a little cheerier. Like, I, I was I was engaged, and then, yeah, then it went to BET with horror. Woof. Oh, another season finale was really good. And people are going to like, what? Nurse Jackie. Anybody seen Nurse Jackie? Nurse oh, Jackie's incredible. A fucking yeah. spectacular show. Um. That I say a little prayer, I think is the name of that final episode. And when yep. uh, you don't know, well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Edie Falco is just amazing in that show. So yeah, it's worth a great show. Shout out to House. Had an amazing finale as well. Yeah. But listen, man, Six Feet Under, watch that. Six, this is your assignment. 
your assignment this summer is to watch Six Feet Under, and it's to watch Breaking Bad. It's going to take me the summer. I'll do it. It's going to take me the whole summer. Just Because I will man. definitely lose, like, attention span. Uh, oh, damn, we've been binging the league. Also pretty bad. That, pretty bad oof, finale. That, that last season, oh, my God. For a show it, that was so unbelievably hilarious. Yes. Ruined it. I forgot how funny it was that finale was so bad. Yeah, that's a finale that really fuck up a whole series, too. God, it, yo, that show, anybody listening to the show that has not watched the league, go fix that. Just you can skip the last season. You can literally just <laughs> skip it. But up until that point, from when Rafi shows up, oh, my God. That season show just, two through season five doesn't miss. I mean, even season one is excellent yeah. without Rafi. When the origins of the damn it's the trophy, just yeah. <laughs> Shiva blasting. The, like, um, just, there's so it. much, so many gems in that show, and that last season hurt it so bad because yeah. now I can't. I don't even talk about it like I should. And I watched that show religiously, and I like yep. again. I've gone back and watched it. And I'm like, yo, the Andre, the goddamn the trophy getting stuck up his ass. Uh, child, please. Like, I'm on season two right now, obviously, but like, everything oh, Rafi is absolutely ridiculous. Rafi Just- Ball, and then fucking when he, yo, at one point, he invites Dirty Randy, and the, that was like the big <laughs> thing when you see who Dirty Randy is because he was talked about so much. Oh yeah. my god, that shit's incredible! But yeah, the last season will just fuck it up. I guess the Mount Rushmore should have been which series fucked up their finales more so than what your favorite finales are because. The bad finales stick out in your mind more than the good ones. Yeah. Those are, like, yeah. easy to rattle off. Like, I don't even, honest to God, I don't remember the Martin finale, but it couldn't have been good. No, I'm sure it was, dog. Martin was a show that limped to his finish, and we revere it in, like, two seasons. And we, like, think about it as this fantastic show. And I'm like, it really wasn't. That last season was really bad. It was bad. If a, different, if a different world ended when it should have ended, that shit would have yeah. been perfection. Yeah, and even looking back, I mean the wedding yeah. scene, yeah. wrap it up. I mean, it, it was it was good the season where they had Jada Pinkett and you know, in the, the episode with Tupac shows up as Piccolo, and like it, it was good, like the LA right. It just it wasn't it, it didn't end as strong, but different worlds a very strange show as well. Like, because the the Lisa Bonet seasons weren't that good. Well, season then Debbie Allen took over the show and it just went to another stratosphere. It yep. became the, one of the greatest shows of all time. But, like, yeah, yeah, season finales, they're hard to nail, man. They're really hard to nail. And uh, everybody talks about the Americans, and I haven't watched the Americans yet. And I've been trying to figure that in the leftovers. And that's Biggie gives me hell about the leftovers all the time because <laughs> the leftovers is good. Oh, and I mean, a great, it's, it's weird because it's not a series finale because it only lasted one se- season. It's The Watchmen. Fucking oh, Watchmen. yeah, yeah, that Incredible. was great. Yeah. But I mean, that was just, yeah, it was a, a quick sprint. Yeah, for that one show. season. That's all you needed was one season to be out. Yeah, because if a lot of other things, if it ended after one season, like I would have been straight. Yeah, other shows need multiple seasons. Like The Wire needs multiple seasons. Yeah, like Game of Thrones could have ended after season six, and I would have been good. Game of Thrones, man, unbelievable how how great. That's another show in years that pass. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great divide. There's gonna be people that was like it's one of the greatest shows ever, and people that just can't get past that final season and a half. It just kind of yeah. I was ready for that final season, and it started off okay to me. It just man, it, it just bad. yeah, it shit, like the last four episodes 
It's one of those where I'll probably never watch the last four episodes again. No. And I watched it again. Like I watched yep. the entire series to get to that last season. And I was like, oh, I can't do this again. And then I'll and, just, stop. <laughs> just stop. And it's fucked up because like that last season and one of the things I should have known, I was like, why are these episodes so goddamn dark? Like they were they were yeah. miserably dark. Like I was like, I can't see anything. I remember telling my wife, I was like, yo, am I blind or can I really not see shit? She was like, no, we brightened up the TV like this ain't working, dog. They really fuck this season. Fuck that season. For real. Yeah, no, nah, we're word up. Yeah, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. So, all right, that's our list. Can't wait to see what other people bring up. You know what? When you guys hit us up on Twitter and Instagram talking about this, give us your best finales and your worst one. Because I know I feel Dude. like I felt I missed out on some of the worst ones. There's some well, shit people are gonna bring up. I'll be like, yo, that was atrocious. I'm trying to remember. Like I Dexter, Dexter was one of the worst ones for a long time. Dexter will. Yeah, you can't say Dexter. And I haven't even watched it. I just remember my wife going, what the fuck, in the it's other room? It's, it's and one like, of the worst. It's coming back, and it can only save itself. And, you know, rebooting shit after a long time, a lot of times doesn't work. But that finale was so bad that it can't be any worse. Yeah, I, I, I've seen so many people talk about that finale. So, oh, And I've heard another show I haven't watched, but I heard it was amazing. And I only watched the season finale because Fred and I had a watch party. And I went over there to drink. I was like, I get it, I, I guess. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, they say it's a great finale. That's what I've heard. I haven't watched. But I I haven't watched the whole show. I only saw the finale. But I was I was intrigued by the finale. I went to drink. It was a party for the finale. And we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My friends also had a party for a Game of Thrones finale, but thanks to you talking me into it, I binged it for like the past, you know, the two months before that had happened or three months and I'd finished it and caught up. So, but I would have ended up watching that show without watching the series too. I would have just saw the finale and never watched the series because the finale fucking. You would have no, you would have been like, why is everybody so pissed off? Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, y'all, y'all watch this shit for seven years? So I would have I been lost, but yeah. So you guys hit us up, let us know what you guys think. We're going to hit the break, come back. It's time to talk boxing and the May craziness in terms of Fury, Joshua, and Wilder. So plenty of that to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. 
from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to The NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just that quick, we are back, and it's time to talk boxing. First thing on top of everyone's list, yeah, there's a good fight coming up this weekend. And yes, it's going to be great to have an undisputed champion, but we'll get to all that in a second. This Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder drama just keeps taking a million twists and turns in here and there, and it's exhausting at this point. But we'll recap it all for you. I'll run down the the list of things that have happened and then dre will go back and forth and talk about it but it started with a couple of weeks ago i'd say 10 days ago it looks like we're getting anthony joshua versus Tyson fury in saudi arabia it was reported that it was a 155 million dollar deal from the kingdom of saudi to bring the fight over there they're going to construct the arena kind of like they did when you went to joshua versus ruiz it looked like it was in the bad days away from happening and then an arbitrator said, ah, 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 not so fast, says Tyson Fury must fight Deontay Wilder, like promised in their last contract, and sided with Wilder, even though Tyson Fury, top rank in that whole team, said, nope, the time had passed. Wilder did not cash in early enough on a rematch clause, so we do not have to accept it. They were wrong. The arbitrator said, yes, you do. You must fight him before mid-September, September 13th, I believe. And they were like, all right. Well, fuck it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. They could have paid him, and people were speculating that Wilder wanted 20 mil to step aside. Nah, Fury wasn't trying to pay. Um, I I believe in this nine-side information. I believe him and Aaron believe that the cut the, of 155 will be there if they fight Joshua in December or next May or whenever it is. And they weren't trying to give Wilder a piece of that pie. So they said, nope. They said, let's get it on. So reports now are that Fury versus Wilder 3 will be on July 24th in Vegas, venue still to be determined, even though Aaron himself said a couple of days ago that he has reserved Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders. It would be the first fight in there. Interesting to see if they can pack it out like Canelo did in Dallas and Jerry World if they go that route. And then in the meantime, Anthony Joshua would then have to fight Alexander Usyk, who we talk about a lot and really like, um, top five pound for pound fighter, 
but moving up from cruiserweight to heavyweight not too long ago, so he's still a little smaller. But Joshua would have to fight him as a mandatory for his three belts at some point before October and keep those belts to keep the Fury fight alive. Whew, that was a mouthful. There's was a lot of stuff. Dre, are you hopeful that in the end, even with these hurdles, we get Fury and Joshua? I mean, are yeah, you confident? See that that I'm not sure of because dog, I know everybody, all of us think that Tyson Fury is gonna wash Deontay Wilder in the rematch. Yep. That's what everybody thinks. But that right hand, it's it's one thing that's all it takes. Yo, if Deontay Wilder happens to beat Tyson Fury, everything's fucked up. I mean, everything is fucked up. Because Wilder versus Joshua. <laughs> well, you got that's a whole new line of negotiation yeah and you know wilder's gonna want that 70 mil right it is so it was so easy to make joshua fury in those two parties because her and bob aaron worked together before but it's a whole different ball game maybe it's a whole different ball game we know how this goes they, they don't necessarily PBC doesn't necessarily reach out to the other side. That's not their game. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, oof, that's that's a mess. Now, this whole thing, it sucks because, you know, <laughs> you make the announcement and two days later, two days later, you, you find out, oh, well, that shit ain't happening. Like, I don't. Here's what I don't understand. You'll have to tell me if you knew that an arbitrator was getting ready to rule on this. Why didn't y'all just wait? To know for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to having the deal in place before the Olympics or before right after the Olympics. So they tried to squeeze it in before the Olympics. It turns out that it was going to be at the end after the Olympics. And they wanted to get a deal during that time frame. And the arbitrator didn't have like an exact date he was coming back until... Last Friday, I was like, you know what? I'm ready. Jeez. And then dropped the bomb on Monday. So I think they were going. They were assured. Bob Arum's a lawyer. So, I mean, when it comes to legalities, I think he was very firm in that they were going to win that case. Well, he was wrong. And the arbitrator was going to side with them. He was wrong. And with Bob being a lawyer, I think he thought he was going to win that case. But in the end, he also had a Legion Stadium bookmarked for july 24th so in the back of his mind he had to know that this was always a possibility and maybe he didn't think he didn't think that bachelor was gonna pull it off and get 155 bill i mean and he did this shit before they were they were gonna pull it off i guess the question is how much validity did they really think deontay wilder had in his claim that he was owed a third fight covid messed up everything obviously yeah if if the uh COVID didn't happen, the time wouldn't ex- expired, and Fury wouldn't have been able to say, oh, time is up, right? If that, you know, between injuries and all that shit, they wouldn't have had that. They didn't, they had, they didn't have fans in the state. There was a lot of mitigating factors that prevented that fight from happening. I don't know why they were so confident that Wilder didn't really have a case. And I know from, you know, Eddie Hearn's side, he felt like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to listen to Bob Arum. Bob Arum says, Fight's going to happen. Fuck it. The fight's going to happen. Now everything is up in the air. And this is so boxing, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is some real boxing shit. 
<laughs> like that's yep. this is exactly what boxing does to itself oftentimes you announce a fight that everybody wants to see and there's really no interest in wilder fury anymore it's been t- so tainted by deontay's excuses deontay's the suit the the cheating gloves you know chance the rapper got on twitter talking about yeah i knew you was a cheat oh, fuck you talking God. about chance Go love your wife, all right? And rapping riddles. I don't I don't want to hear about your takes in boxing. Between that and his love of Kanye still, I, I don't get chance yeah. to rap. Yeah, cut it out. But it's it's uh obviously we're gonna be at the fight and people are gonna watch the fight, but it's lost so much momentum because Fury beat the dog shit out of Deontay Wilder in that fight. And then it wasn't like Deontay just gracefully bowed out that glove gate and suits and the firing Mark Breland, like yo, I, if he were to pull this win off in the rematch, it would be unbelievable. This would be like beating the Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's how bad <laughs> it is now. Because I just, I can't. I know Deontay Wilder still has that power in his right hand, but the way the Fury mowed his ass down, I can't see too much changing. But maybe All I'm right. wrong. Maybe that. Maybe Tyson's not going to be dialed in, even though he says he is. Maybe I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know either. Like, even the first fight, Wilder was super active, and Fury was very big and still out of shape, right? And Fury dominated the first eight rounds of that before getting caught and dropped twice. And it was still, still an even fight on the judges' cards and was a draw. Arguably, that's the worst Tyson Fury we'll probably ever see again. Yeah, that's what you think. But again, it only it, Wilder's the one guy takes literally one punch. One. That's all it takes. So can you get that one punch? I don't know. I'll be there. I just, hey, just don't fuck up the bad guys. Just get it right. Oh, I I fully agree. Um, somebody's going to fuck it up. You, you're talking about those two. <laughs> Joshua lost to Ruiz. Like, yeah. And then beat a very eh, motivated Ruiz. And then just beat a 40-year-old. I, Alexander Usyk's a different beast. That side of it worries me. That, I mean, both sides of this worries me. Nothing is a shoe-in at this point. This is, not, this is not like, hey, we'll just take two gimme fights and then we'll meet because, you know, the WBC or the WBO ordered it. That's not what's happening here. These are two tough-ass fights for both parties. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Such a tangled web we weave, but uh, I guess. <laughs> that's boxing. That's that boxing. is boxing, and that's why people are fed up a lot of the times. Because people aren't getting the fights on time. No. Not at all. I mean, no, and boxing is doing better because we have a great fight this oh, weekend. Definitely. But, but shit. And, and COVID really is the only reason this got fucked up. Right. But still, people are bitter about it. And now they want AJ right now, and they're not going to get AJ when they want it. So it's it's a cold game, man. Cold game out in these boxing streets. But you mentioned the fight that we have for this weekend. We have Ramirez, Jose Ramirez versus Josh Taylor. Um, man, undisputed. Wait, before we, before we talk about that fight, and because we're going to talk about the UFC card, but. If anybody watched the Figueroa Neri fight this weekend, this past mm-hmm. weekend, 
what a fucking fight that was. That was a pretty goddamn good card. I was like kind of miserable watching the UFC card. A lot of people watched the fights card. <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily care for it. I thought it was, I was like, all right, this is okay. Probably the match Snell fight ruined it for me. But I kept my eye on the on the Neary Figueroa fight, and I was like, this is a really good fucking fight. And then I looked up. And Neri's on the ground. And I was like, wait a minute, what happened? I had to rewind it because I had to figure it out. Cause I was like, I thought Neri was like up. Cause I, I was trying to pay attention to both fights. And Figueroa came back and won. And yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was if anybody watched the fight, it was a good ass fight. It's a really good fight. Anyway. Work in that fight was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just teeing off on the body. There's few things better than just watching two people just crush each other's ribs. That's, you, it's that's just, quality. It's, it's funny because Brandon Figueroa has somehow come. I mean, if you look at Brandon Figueroa, he looks like this is going to sound bad. The great value version of Ryan Garcia. I think that all the time. <laughs> it doesn't sound bad like, at all. You know, it's like, you know, I don't want to get a diet version of Ryan Garcia. Like, his nickname's the Heartbreaker. The kid can fight. He's offense first, and pretty much only. He's got nice. He's got pretty heavy hands, and then he just beat a guy who was just knocking fools silly in Luis Neri. Just couldn't keep his weight under control all the time. It's, you know, we'll see where he goes. He's super bantamweight. Um, I'm I'm interested. I I just think there's, a lot of people. There's a lot of talent, man. A lot of talent in that division, though. It's it's a, uh, it's a it, I don't know it's a good fight I didn't expect it to be that good I really thought because Figueroa gets hit a lot that Neri would put in the work to to stop him mid to late rounds and it was the exact opposite anyway <laughs> very good fight uh, make sure again people can watch that on demand so yeah now good bringing that up and hopefully this fight this weekend is is the same because. Neither Ramirez or Taylor are known for their defense, per se. Like, they're going in there to throw hands. That's and, I mean, the Taylor fight versus um, Proy Grace, it just sticks in my mind. I was like, yo, his eye is swollen shut. Proy Grace is looking all crazy and, and bleeding from here and there. But they're throwing him for 12 rounds. And Taylor wins it in the end. But that fight honestly could have gone either way. I thought at one point, like, yo, Proyas, Regis is going to drop him. He's got to drop. He is taking some punches. And Taylor never hit the camera. I'm very fascinated with this Ramirez-Taylor fight for the reason that Josh Taylor is a minus 220 favorite. And Ramirez is almost a 2-1 to underdog. And I don't understand it. I think that's absurd. Josh Taylor beat Regis Progray in a fight that could have went either way. And he beat Ivan Baranchik. Ivan Baranchik never was that great in the World Boxing Super Series. Jose Ramirez beat the bullshit out of Mo Hooker. And I think everybody looks at the Victor Postal fight and was like, ah, he had a bad performance. But never judge a fight aren't necessarily in his last performance. I don't understand why Jose Ramirez is an underdog. I thought he'd be the favorite, like a narrow favorite. I thought it'd be like a two minus one tens or like a minus one ten minus one oh five. I two to plus two hundred. Give me Ramirez all day, every day. I could be wrong. Josh Taylor is a really good fighter, but I'm just I'm shocked that he's a two to one underdog. I'm taking Ramirez anyway. 
like honestly, I was coming into this. I was like, yo, the Mo Hooker fight, granted, it looks how it looks now. But he just has a different level when he turns it up. And if you're not going to be defensive against that, you're in for a long night. Long night. So, I mean, spoiler alert, but I'm taking Ramirez to stop Taylor. Me too. Oh, you too. I mean, and the reason why I'm doing this is because Josh Taylor, he's he's quick. He's got to keep his back off the ropes. Ramirez is very good when he's able to pressure you and put your back on the ropes. So Taylor's going to have to be moving around. But I think, I could be wrong, but I think Taylor's gut tells him that he can win some of these firefights with Ramirez because he's, you know, he's got a lot of machismo. When you're fighting a guy who's never lost before, oftentimes they fight like they can't get hurt. And that's what happened to Mo Hooker fight. Tried to get in too many firefights with Ramirez, got his ass caught up against the ropes and got blew up. If Josh Taylor does the same thing, he's going to get stopped. In my opinion, it's not a I just I'm just blown away that this is a two like Taylor's such a big favorite. Like the Branchick fight, I watched that fight and I'm like, yo, Branchick, you know, he's like a little tank. Like he just comes forward and <laughs> he's kind of easy to hit. Regis Progray was a good win, but it wasn't like he just ran him out the building. No. So I I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I'm picking Jose Ramirez. I think. And plus, I just like Jose Ramirez. I like what he stands for. I like his community work. I like what he means to Fresno. I just, I think everything about him uh, screams champion that I like. Josh Taylor, not so much. You know, great story behind Ramirez, right? Like, still goes back, goes back to community. He grew up in the fields picking peppers. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, the, the story is very likable. Um, I just don't see the, the eye test just tells me that Taylor looks, and I don't mean this as any disrespect, but like the average UK fighter. To the point people were shocked that he beat progress. I don't know. He's good. Like again, he's good. I don't see anything special. Yeah, it's it's uh and I and there's gonna be some people who listen to the show and it's like you picking Ramirez to stop him. I am, but and I get it. You know, Ramirez stopped Hooker. He has to stop a lot of fighters recently. Right, like the Imam fight, the Postal fight, um, Jose Zapeta, who's on the undercar fighting Hammer and Hank Lundy, who's for some reason still fighting. But yeah, I get it. He hasn't stopped a lot of people, but I think he's incensed to put an end to Josh Taylor, and he's got good hands. So I'm picking him. I'm just. I think this is going to be a fight. This is not going to be much of a boxing match unless Josh Taylor really wants to make it that way. I just don't see that happening. So I'm picking yeah. him by stoppage. And I, the only thing that I can think of is maybe I'm downplaying the importance of Ben Davison in the corner. Because, yeah. you know, him and Tyson Fury had like a good chemistry. Because of that, I know him for really good fundamentals and movement. Fury had to move away from him to go and get kind of more of an edge and a thumper's feel because it was too crisp, too polished, too much fundamentals, too much movement. So maybe Davidson brings that missing piece in there for Taylor? Maybe? I mean, you know. I still don't see it. When someone gets in trouble, they're going to do what they do. Yeah. But what he does is sit there and thump. It's, I mean, it's the same thing with Bo Mack, right? When Bo Mack had Mo Hooker, everybody was like, oh, Bo Mack's going to turn Mo Hooker. And no. <laughs> what happened to Mo Hooker? Got beat up. 
Got to stop. <laughs> but, but Virgil Ortiz, it just trainers. Yes, trainers help. But you are you have to have the talents already. And I never thought Mo Hooker was a bad fighter. I just thought he was what he was. Whereas what Eddie Reynoso does with somebody like Canelo and Ryan Garcia, and we'll see how he handles Andy Ruiz over the years, Oscar Valdez as well, that they're change people. Some people get a lot of, some trainers get a lot of credit for really good fighters. Don't, I'm not going to say they don't need them, but it's not, the trainer's not really adding that much more. Like, it doesn't matter who trains Floyd Mayweather. You, anybody, I could be in this corner. He's still going to win the fight. Nothing's going to change. Other fighters, the corner really matters. The directions really matter. I don't think Ben Davis is going to really help Josh Taylor that much. I don't see it. Yeah, he brings the missing piece, but I'm not sure if, if it's going to take. You know, like, yeah. I, I'm not sure that it's really going to help him that much. So we'll see how that plays out. Good undercard on that fight. Good night for boxing, hardcore boxing fans, especially because in the coming weeks, you know, we're getting Floyd Mayweather we're, versus Logan Paul. We're getting a TikTokers versus YouTubers card, which is now making waves in the boxing, boxing spectrum. And then Jake Paul is teasing uh, the announcement of his opponent and him bouncing from Triller and going to Showtime, which is wild to me. He's fucking people up right now. <laughs> yo, Jake Paul, yo, Jake he's, Paul's the got the, he's got the world in the palm of his hand. It's crazy what he's done. And so people can keep hating. Yo, Showtime clearly saw something. Money. Money. And I'm surprised that Trilly did. I guess Trilly signed him to a one-fight deal or whatever, or maybe two-fight deal, whatever they did. I guess they didn't expect Showtime to come scooping him up. I don't know. But pff, this man's going to be fighting on Showtime pay-per-view. That's pretty big deal. He's no, I, I agree. Like headlining a Showtime pay-per-view, it's crazy. Like they're not going to stick them on the undercard. No, not at all. And they only have legit fighters, so I, it, it's going to be a far cry from you know Justin Bieber leading them out. You know, yeah, he, that's, he's that's stepping gonna, into the world of real boxing. I'm very curious that if Showtime will still have, I mean, you you know the pageantry and all the bullshit, because let's be honest, yes. The Jake, I mean, come on. The Jake Paul Triller cards were, they were just fucking bonkers in terms of like production and commentary. They were just ridiculous. Both of them, the Nate Robinson and Ben Askren fight. Like the Showtime card, does Showtime kind of mix it a little bit or do they go straight boxing? Because I know at the zone, when we had the Jake Paul fight, we mixed it up. We had a, we had our celebrity person bring out all the celebrities, but we still, you know, Andre headlined that card. Uh, when we did the Logan Paul KS I fight, yeah, it was boxing, but we know what we were getting into. We made those tickets affordable for kids, and parents were just dropping their kids off. Like, see ya, go enjoy a yeah. Logan Paul fight. So I don't know. Does Showtime <laughs> handle this the same way? I don't know. I'm curious. This would be the third network Jake Paul is on. It's crazy. Man is running the game right now. <laughs> he went from the zone to trailer to Showtime. I guess everybody's like, he should have lost by now. No, he's going to keep cashing out. Somebody's got to stop him. Nobody's going to stop Crazy. him. Um, all right, let's hit the break. We come back. We still got to wrap this up with UFC. So plenty more combat sports to talk about after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We are back for the home stretch. Time to wrap all of this up by talking about the UFC. And the first thing that comes to mind is UFC 262 that happened last weekend. Haven't been able to talk about it because we dove right into pro wrestling. Um, for our weekend show. So now, Dre, it was a decent card. And then on paper, should I say, it was a decent card. And then Tony Ferguson at the press conference was like, Dana, everything's bigger in Texas, right? Let's do $75,000 bonuses. And Dana was like, all right, Tony, let's do it. And I feel like $25,000 changed everyone. Because motherfuckers were finishing people left and right on this call. On the prelims. Prelims. Yeah, the main card, not so much. Oh, well, the pre the main card bored you to death. The prelims is what I watched, and it was fun. Yeah, I mean, Chanko got choked the hell out by Andrea Lee. Yeah, I mean, look, the only thing I really want to talk about is Andre Muniz breaking Jacare's arm. Oh, you heard the crunch. Like he snapped into Slim Jim. Like, Ooh, no. That was ugly. Ugly. So now we've seen a leg break and wobble to and fro. And then a week later, two weeks later, someone get their whole arm snapped. And that was his last fight of his contract. Arm. His contract's up. So Jockery gets to go home with his broke ass arm. And, you know, I guess damaged goods heading to Bellator. Hey, man, okay. I called it. All these guys are heading to Bellator. If Weidman didn't break his leg the way he did, he probably be to a bound as well. Or PFL, one of them. That's it. <laughs> now they're PFL. PFL is yeah. like, yes, we're getting rich with these old guys. But, I mean, I, dude, Jacare had never been submitted in his MMA career. Yep. And fought Andre Muniz, who said, I'm a better grappler than Jacare. And pissed Jacare off. And Jacare was like, ah, No. And then he got his arm broke. And it's like, ah, yeah, <laughs> buddy, your time's up. If you got, you just got submitted, you got your arm broke. Arm broke. So that, that was the main thing that stuck out to me on the prelims. The Lando Venata fight was cool. Andrea Lee choking out Shevchenko. I wasn't too surprised. Even though Shevchenko was a favorite, which I thought was weird. Um, the name value. Was- Jordan Wright KO was dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was dope. But I, this card, to me, wasn't that great. And it's the three cards, the three fights in the middle of the main event and the opener that I was just like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that one could weigh on you. I mean, Barboza is always dope. Yeah, I'm surprised that he he beat uh, uh, Shane Burgos in the manner that he did because that was a short left and then Burgos just kind of like short-circuited like 10 seconds later. It was such a weird knockout. 
<laughs> like Barbosa, you know, delay finishes. I do too, but it was really weird because like Burgos' eyes got big, and then he just started stumbling backwards. And even Barbosa, like, the fuck is going on here? Like, what do I do with this? <laughs> and I mean, it, it was a crazy stoppage, but it was a really good fight up until that point. The referees were also—I mean, not the referees, the judges were on some bullshit as well. But that's Texas for you. They don't care. Yeah, the scorecards are all over the place. But so then the next fight, one thing we did touch on, we got to talk. Caitlin Chukagian. Ooh, blacked. <laughs> Winter fight. I don't give a fuck about the fight. The fight was not the news of the night. Caitlin Chukagian's likes and retweets. Not even retweets, but her likes and follows on Twitter. Let me applaud this woman. She is not shy about the type of men that she likes. By no means. Not she, at all. She, Nope, she don't need a burner account. She don't need nothing. She's like, I'm going to go out there and like all this BBC. She don't go fuck. She, <laughs> did you see, she hopped on Twitter today and was like, hey guys, what did I miss? And I was like, she knows. She's she like knows. keenly, yeah. she's keenly aware of yeah. all this. And <laughs> yeah, the, the fight with uh, Viviane Arujo was, you know, eh, all right, well, whatever. But it, yeah, that's all I could think about. And I was like, it's such a... <laughs> You had this and Michael Chandler on the card, right? And I was like, this is such a weird fucking card. You know, it's like you got Chandler with his black baby and you got Chukavian liking BBCs. And it's like, all right. And like, there's no black people on the main card. So it was, and then Benio Darius, which we'll talk about in a second. Benio Darius and his strange ass post-fight promo, like denouncing Marxism. <laughs> like, it's fucking weird. But Chukavian, all right, cool. Like, glad she won. Yeah, so you get down, huh? All right. Yeah. Oh, she I, celebrated in any yeah. manner she cared to celebrate. She probably got some BBCs in her DMs after this fight. Oh, what? The DMs are open for business. Like, let's be she's she ain't mad at the publicity right now. No, her post-fight bonus was in her DMs. Yep. She like, damn, you keep that 75k, baby. I'm I'm fine. I am fine right now. So uh best of luck to you. Who, who would have knew? Who knew? Like you, I'm not saying you judge a book by its cover, but I'm judging the book by its cover. I look at Caitlin Chukagian and I'm like, you word? Word. Because right. like single guy, like you, you wouldn't go to a bar and look at Chukagian and be like, okay, I'm gonna go hit on her. Or like, you know, I'm her type or necessarily my type. Like, you'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. But no, not mad at it. So good job by her. Good, good job on the win. Good, you said good job by her. All right. Good job by her. That was her <laughs> second win of the weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for my professional persona on Twitter and my account being monitored closely, I would have uh, thrown Chukagi in the like just off the strength. But uh, yeah, nah, she can't be retweeting crazy shit on my on my timeline. Because <laughs> by the way, Caitlin, everything you like pops up on other people's timelines. Just, 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 she just figured that shit out. She's like, word? Yeah, be a normal person. Go to Reddit. Next, we have um, oh, Gario Batorin, whatever. The cards are all over the place. And then, but Neil Darius versus Tony Ferguson. Before we get to the promo, I think Tony's a rat. It's over. He says he's not stopping. It's over. But, yeah. It's over. This guy did this guy just beat Max Holloway? Who a couple years ago? Tony Ferguson? 
Right. No, that was, no Dustin Poirier beat Max. Oh, Poirier beat Max. So who the hell's the last person Ferguson beat? Well, see, remember I said this when he fought Gaethje, and I was like, everybody keeps looking at his record. I'm like, look at his record very closely. Tony oh, Ferguson Pettis has Cerrone. It. Pettis, Cerrone, Kevin Lee, Rafael dos Anjos, Lando Venata, who almost stopped him in the first round, Barboza in a hellacious fight that we were at in the media room. I remember we were eating like prime rib watching that fight. And Josh Thompson. This is not a murderer's row. When he fought, I said it then, when he, when everybody saw him about the Khabib fight, I was like, yeah, Tony's going to get fucked up. And people were like, no, but Tony's great. And I'm like, look, Tony's not that good. He's not <laughs> that good. But I thought he was good enough to beat Benil Darius. I thought between his scrambles, his awkward style, his grappling, that he would do enough to keep Benil Darius off him. Instead, Benil Darius put on a suffocating performance, wrestled the hell out of him, grounded him and didn't let tony do nothing it's over for tony ferguson it's over losing to benil darius means it is a wrap it's done for i don't know if he could beat top 10 guys anymore he He, he doesn't have the frame to move between divisions like you know to to move somewhere else try to get a breath of fresh air new opponent something like he doesn't have that frame the UFC is not going to cut him because he's a likable guy. He's not like one of the old super washed up guys yet. I don't know. Going to a Bellator would be refreshing for him. Yeah, he's still going to a BFL would be refreshing. If he could do that and come back, maybe, but I, I think it's over. Nah, it's over, man. But here, here's so Daniel Cormier said something very poignant on commentary. He's because he, it made me think of Roy Jones. Guys who don't play by the rules, eventually the game catches up to them because they don't they lack the fundamentals. Roy Jones was never a fundamental fighter. He relied purely on ridiculous athleticism. Once he slowed down, it was a wrap. Tony Ferguson jumps from gym to gym, you know, trains himself, like throws dummies around. Like if you ever watch Tony Ferguson train, you're like, what the fuck is he doing? But it worked for him. But now because he lacks the fundamentals, when Benil Darius puts him on his back, Tony Ferguson can't get up because he doesn't know how. Them wild scrambles, he's not as athletic as he was before. He's been figured mm. out. Like all that freaky, weird shit that he used to do, it's not dangerous anymore. Doesn't scare anybody. Justin Gaethje wrecked him. Charles Oliveira, I figured, would be Tony Ferguson. Benil Darius, I thought it would be a good fight, but I thought Ferguson would pull it out. It's over. It's over. Tony Ferguson... We really have to question how good was Tony Ferguson really? What's the best win on his resume? I remember the other thing I pointed out. Everybody that Tony Ferguson, everybody that Tony Ferguson beat, just about, I think, with the exception of Kevin Lee, was coming off a loss or had lost in the the last two fights. Yeah. Dos Anjos probably his best win. Yeah, probably. I feel Dos Anjos. Yeah. And that was still 25 minutes of whooping ass. He submitted Edson Barbosa. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, like, you know, Tony Ferguson beating Rafael Dos Anjos came after Dos Anjos got knocked out by Eddie Alvarez in the first round. Everybody Tony Ferguson beats is coming off a loss, except for Kevin Lee in the interim fight. Mm, not that, maybe he's just not that good, guys. Just kind of figured yeah, him out. Wrecked by Gaethje. Oliveira beat him in three. Darius beat him. I know it's ugly. It's it. It's not great for him. And I don't know, like, if he's staying, I don't know what can help him fix it. 
and that's like there's no there's no easy way out for him and then main event charles Oliveira versus michael chandler i mean Oliveira's on a different fucking level right now and he was almost stopped but he was smart <laughs> smart because at the end of the day what saved charles Oliveira that doesn't save many people and to i don't know what the fuck michael chandler was thinking either a lot of fighters do this in the moment and it always wears me out but when you have a guy hurt and he goes to the ground, he knocks him to the ground. If you're scared of his submission, just step back. Why are you hovering, looking for a spot to land a punch or sneak a punch in, but not get caught in his guard because he's going to choke your ass out? So you go through this, and Oliveira almost chokes Chandler out anyway, and then Chandler gets up, rocks him, almost stops Oliveira. Oliveira is saved by the bell because Chandler's scared to go all the way to the ground because Oliveira instead of being on all fours, goes to his back, pulls guard, and he's like, yeah, motherfucker, you want to come down here? Fighting Chandler, like, no, have that. I'll see you in the next round. Chandler comes out, like, yeah, let's get it. Continuation. Boom. Oliveira, I think it was the first punch he threw that next round. Second. Second punch. Second, it was in the middle second of the punch he threw. Yes. And, and Chandler was like, oh, I'm going to jump right back on him. I got this. Boop. Oh, shit, what just happened? And by the time the next thing you know, Olivera mollywops him, and Olivera wins. Most stoppages in UFC history? Yes. Fucking nuts. So, Good for him. And Du Bronx is a nickname. I love anything to do with the Bronx. I got to root for the man, even though it's a whole different Bronx. So I said, and now I have to eat my words. I said this fight ended one in two ways. It's going to end by finish. I, it was absolutely not going 25 minutes. But I said it was Chandler by knockout, Olivera by submission. There was no way in hell Chandler was going to be submitting Oliveira. What I didn't consider, but I didn't consider Oliveira knocking out Chandler. I figured if Oliveira hurt him, he'd just follow him to the ground and choke him out. But the one thing that I kept telling people is Michael Chandler's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness, and it's his aggression. He always comes forward. His chin is always kind of there to hit because he's always swinging. He's not really measured. And he walks into shit. And that's exactly what he did in the second round. He just kind of, he met Oliveira right in the center of the octagon, threw a punch, and Oliveira just punched with him Hmm. and caught him, caught him flush. I just thought Chandler was going to go for that one-two, shoot for a takedown thing, get caught in the guillotine. But the weird thing was Chandler almost had Oliveira in the guillotine. So, yes, Charles Oliveira is the... UFC leader in finishes and submissions. Heading into this fight, he had a fight winning streak going. Two of those fights were by knockout. Those were his only two UFC knockouts. Charles <laughs> has turned a bizarre corner in his career. Fighters don't do this. Like we talk about Robbie Lawler blossoming late, but Robbie Lawler was always a finisher, but he blossomed late. Charles, it took him almost 11 years to get his first title shot. And the funny thing is the ongoing joke with Charles Oliveira is he refuses to admit that he was too big for featherweight. He just refuses to admit it. Clearly he is. He was. He's still talking about going back. Shut the fuck up. He's he's (laughs) having a joke. So Uh, this is this is definitely his best weight, his best size. Like it's okay to be healthy, guys. Yeah, there's no shame in being healthy. So here's my question. I asked this question on Twitter. I'm asking it to you. Will Charles Oliveira be the UFC lightweight champion at this time next year? No. I'm, 
I'm not sure he'll be the UFC champion this time October. No, I definitely don't think he makes it to this time next year. No, that division's way too crazy. Mm-hmm. Who who beats him? I think both Poirier and Gaethje could beat him. Not McGregor though, right? <laughs> Sir, McGregor got tapped by Nate Diaz. Oh, I know. No. No, because as soon as it touches the ground, it's oh, it's over. It's it's a wrap. Because McGregor panics like me in a swimming pool. No, like nah. he will tap the second, the second Oliveira just gently grazes his neck. He could just playfully tickle it, and it's a wrap. Connor's tapping. No, no way. He ain't knocking Connor out. Connor could knock him out, but that's a he dangerous could. game to play because you got to yes. hit him with, you got to knock him out flush. Because if you get in the ground and say Connor drops him in the first minute and Connor thinks he's going to hover over him, pounding him, and Oliveira pulls guard, wraps up Connor's leg, and this motherfucker is in a world of hurt. Oh, with, with some of type that. of knee bar or something. Nope, it's over. Speaking of like dumb shit, Tony Ferguson not tapping to that. Fucking heel hook, <laughs> that was deep, deep. Yo, yo, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Sorry, guys. But Neil Darius put Tony Ferguson in a nasty heel hook. Tony Ferguson's machismo says, "I'm not tapping." Same thing happened when he fought Oliveira, and Oliveira damn near ripped his arm out the socket in that arm bar. But this is a heel hook, which not you know you could break an arm, your arm be fine. You can bring that arm back. Heel hook, permanent damage. You may never walk the same again because of a heel hook. This doofus grimaces in pain. It hurt. Darius says, I felt everything popping in his knee. He just doesn't tap. So now it's like, you, all right, tough guy. You can't walk anymore. Right? Like, you'll never Like, what the hell is Tony Ferguson doing? Anyway, I look at this lightweight division, and Justin Gaethje always sticks out. I said it before. Like, the guy's a nightmare for everybody. He's a nightmare. The only person he wasn't a nightmare for was Khabib. But he had the best style to be Khabib. Didn't matter. Khabib's just that good. The, the Dustin Poirier-Justin Gaethje fight rematch will be amazing. It'll be hell. I don't know. Like Even Dustin Poirier, strangely enough, I don't know if he can beat Charles Oliveira. I'm not completely confident. The reason why is Dustin Poirier is... He's not as a devastating striker in one and two punches as Justin Gaethje is. He's a volume striker. He's got pretty heavy hands. But the way he throws his hands, he tends to get hit as well. Fortunately for him against McGregor, for whatever reason, McGregor just didn't have the power because McGregor was touching his chin. Connor was tapping his chin. It just didn't matter. Against Oliveira, it's a different game plan. Dustin's not going into a fight with Oliveira thinking he's just going to stand up and bang with me because that's what Connor did. That's what Gaethje yeah. did. Poirier's ready for that shit. But once you start entering the element, it's just like when I say with Adesanya, once you throw in the element of a ground game, it changes everything. Even though Poirier has a great ground game, Oliveira's just out of this world. So it becomes a different fight. Gaethje might not let it get to the ground because the thing about Gaethje, he's got phenomenal takedown defense. Didn't matter against Khabib. But that's like fighting the level 12 boss and like Ninja Gaiden or some shit. It <laughs> yeah. just doesn't matter. Habib's but against, a bear. He doesn't even count. 
yeah, yeah like the man wrestles bears. You're a human. It doesn't matter. But I, I don't know. At first, I was like, nah, neither. He won't be the champion. If it's Michael Chandler, I think Gaethje beats the bullshit out of Michael Chandler. I just that's just my thought. It's always been my thought. I think Chandler Chandler has never changed his strategy of coming forward. Gaethje has, where he slowed the game down a little bit and knew how to control range. Gaethje demolishes Chandler. But Oliveira, he might have really hit that level where he's maxed out. You guys might be in trouble. I don't know. He could be champion next year. At first, I, I was inclined to say, nah, neither of these guys will be champion. But the way he beat Michael Chandler, I don't know. This time next year, Charles Oliveira can still be champ. He, he might get he might get on that Amanda Nunez. Be careful. He could, but you're asking me to do what I once gave you and lost is take someone versus the field. Oh yeah. And that is a scary field in that division. Oh no, it definitely is. It definitely is. So no, I'm not taking him against the field in what? Three fights? Let's say three fights. Well, here's what complicates my question. This time next year, it could only be one fight between now and next year. Could. But, I mean, he's not a guy with a long injury history. The division is stacked with fighters. There's no reason technically to wait. So, what his next fight will probably be October. We're in May. His he's next fight. Yeah. No, I mean, he's going to fight the winner of Connor and Poirier. That's not fair. So, they're going to go from July to October. They, those guys need time. Wait, October, that's, November. That's not fair. That's not fair. What do you mean? Be. That's the number one contender fight. Gaethje's uh, going to fight Chandler. It's just, I, it's, I, it's I, going I, to happen. I know everybody wants to see this fight. Like, everybody wants to Gaethje and Chandler, including myself. Yep. I just don't necessarily think that the winner of Connor Poirier, especially if it's Connor, should leapfrog Justin Gaethje to get a title shot. It's fair. It's big business. I know it's big so business. So you know if it's Connor, he's definitely leapfrogging. Poirier would have back-to-back wins over Connor. So, yes, he's leapfrogging. So, yeah, that's a number one contender fight. So what does um, it mean? Like, beating Connor, what does it mean? Like, if, if Poirier watches Connor in the first round again, it means you got a lot more money than you thought you'd have. Do you? If you get any percentage of the pay-per-view, yes. Okay. Well, as long you got as your one and two biggest paydays. Of your UFC career, hang it up because you're not getting another one. I'm I'm very interested to see how this all plays out. This division yeah. is stacked. I feel like Justin Gaethje hasn't fought in a while. It, pr- and it probably could have been Poirier versus. Um, it could have been Poirier versus Oliveira in this fight, and they maybe could have talked Connor into going in August. And Poirier was like, "Nah, I'm not fucking it up." I mean, like the Poirier, Poirier clearly chased the bag. Yeah, he yeah. clearly chased the bag. <laughs> so I'm not mad let's, at it. Let's keep it real. The Connor yeah. fight, he was like, no, no, no. I starched him, and I think I can do better. So, no, let me beat him again. Like, no, you're going to give me the bag again? For someone going into the second fight, their second fight, he was like, this is someone I think I can beat. Went in there, felt the power. Oh, no, nah, he don't hit the same no more. Cool. Oh, wait. And I could touch him? And he dropped from my power? Boom, beat him. Oh, I felt easy. I beat him in a round and a half. Oh, you want me to run it back? Oh, for more money. Yeah, let's do this. Because I think Poirier knows he can beat Connor now. It's not, I think I can beat him. No, it's like, no, I'm going to run him over. Oh, so y'all give me the easy bag. Yeah, that title can wait. 
He's touched gold, right or wrong, interim or not. Oh, I touched gold. I didn't hit my bank account like I thought it was going to hit my bank account. So let's, let's chase this bag. So smart, smart decision. I think the winner gets Oliveira in October, November. So that's one fight for Oliveira, then probably fights again next March. So two fights, roughly. November, March, June. You're telling me he makes it to next June with the belt? Nah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, don't a, know. that's a tough road because then he'd probably have to go Connor Poirier and then Gaethje and then prep for maybe what's Khabib's little wrestler friend? Who oh, Machev? Nobody there. wants yeah. to fight Machev. But by nobody. next June, next June, I, I'd be shocked if he's not a contender. Oh, there'll be no shocked. choice. Yeah, like, <laughs> so you're telling me that's a three-fight run for him to hold this belt? Mm. Mm. I'm not it's, taking them. It's tough. It's it's <laughs> a very difficult him. road. Not I taking him in that one. I'm just not entirely sure. Like if, like I said, at first I was like, there's no way he'll have the title at this point next year. Maybe he could. He, like I said, he could be on this Amanda Nunez run where he's just kind of figured all this shit out. Could. <laughs> that's a murderer's row. It three really fights. Is. It really is. is a murderer's row of three fights. So we shall see how that one plays out. Let's give our quick predictions just for a couple of fights on this card that is coming up this weekend. Um, hold on. I've lost my place. I guess it doesn't want me to talk about that card. I got wrapped, wrapped up in last week's card. So the headliner for this card is Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. Um, Felicia Spencer's on the card. Uh, the Edmund Shabazian fight versus Jack Hermanson that was supposed to happen two weeks ago got moved to this card. So we talked about that. I still like that fight. Heavyweights are on here. Justin Toffolo's fighting. Um, Carla Esparza is Could fighting on this card. Yeah, I think she loses. Because I've never been like a huge Cookie Monster fan, but I pick up against her a lot. She's kind of hit uh, another stride. Ben Rothwell's fighting. I did not know he was still in the UFC. If he loses, he's cut. <laughs> Let's just be real. He'll be Bellator Ben. So main event, though, is what takes our prediction. Rob Fawn versus Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt, I believe, is coming back from the road. Yes, he is. When it hit him like a ton of breaks. He was supposed to cut down. Featherweight. Immediate title shot. Never came to fruition. Or not featherweight. Where is Bantamweight down? Yes. Flyweight. Sorry. Supposed to go down the fly, media title shot. Never happened. Man caught the Rona. He ain't seen him in a year. So now he comes back. He says he's better than ever. I'm taking Rob Font. One, because I still don't know about Garbrandt's chin. Two, I'm not picking nobody who got hit by the Rona hard. Kamayev included in their first fight after. You're going to have to prove it to me. Mm, that's that's a very good point. And if you if this fight were to just be happening, I'd pick Cody Garbrandt. Um, yep. He looked fantastic against Rafael Asuncao. He looked unbelievably good. And had that buzzer beater knockout. He's always had fantastic hands. His uh, his uh, ego got the best of him and got him into firefights with Pedro Munoz and those two fights with TJ Dillashaw. So when he was calm and poised against the sunshine, he just kind of picked him apart and knocked him out. But yes, Lerona is like Father Time, where he's like, bitch, I'm undefeated. You will not be the same. And I just don't know if his not being the same will be enough for Rob Font to get over the hump. I'm picking Cody Garbrandt because I still think skill-wise, he's the better fighter. 
I just don't know what COVID's going to do to him. If you never know, Rob Font's game plan could be this five round fight. Oh, let's take his ass into deep water. See how that cardio really is. He'd be smart because I, I have no faith in those lungs right now. Yeah, them lungs could be an absolute mess. So I'm going to pick Garbrandt. Uh, he's going to have to finish off Font early. Otherwise, I can't see him looking great in the later rounds. Because all these all of these people have lied. They've said, oh, man, I'm coming back from Rona. I'm better than ever. And then they can't breathe. And they tell you yeah. later, I, I, haven't been able to, I haven't been able to taste food in a year. And it's like, yo, man, you, you're not normal anymore. So yeah. you I'm may picking, never be normal again. Yeah, I'm and still we don't picking, know. I'm picking him because Rob Font, yes, he beat Marlon Marais, but Marlon Marais is clearly broken. Something is wrong with that man. He's not the same anymore. No, he's Another, not. Other than that, he beat Ricky Simone and the new Bellator champion, Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis has clearly gotten it together. But other than, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not impressed with Rob Font's victories because Marlon Moraes' victory is still very impressive. I just think Garbrandt's a better fighter. I, I can't get the Dominic Cruz victory out of my head. No, I agree. I mean, the last time I saw Cody, Cody Garbrandt, he nerfed somebody with a counter hook. That was incredible. Threw a shit from the hip. That was a, a sunshine fight. Oh, it was a sunshine. That's who caught it. Yep. Took his hat off. So, no, he looked great. Looked like, oh, this might be the Cody we saw before. There was some head movement. I Again, I'm not picking anyone that guy hit by the Rona this hard to bounce back. That's fair. I just show me first. And I wish him nothing but the best. But I, I don't know if he can go 25 minutes. He better, he better win in the first 10. Because I think it gets real tough after that. NFL players are still saying, like, yo, I mean, I was watching a preview for the Celtics game the other day. And someone was like, yo, I got to take an inhaler before games now. And I've never had asthma. Yeah. Just from catching the room. Nah. Nope. I can't. Can't do it. And it's a one-man cardio-driven sport. There's no timeouts. There's no benching. Get your breath. It's 25 minutes straight. Nah, I'm good. I got I to gotta see it first. So plenty of good, interesting matchups this weekend. Next week, plenty more to talk about. I'm sure there'll be a million twists and turns on the boxing front. We'll see if Joshua inks something against Alexander Usyk. Uh, we'll see who, who is the new undisputed junior welterweight champion of the world next week. And then we'll also preview Devin Haney and his upcoming fight, which is here in Vegas, his toughest matchup of his career. So can't wait to dive into that. Until then, make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill on all platforms. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshow.com. Stay safe, stay rona free. Mask up if you still want to. Protect yourselves and your family. Can't wait to see everyone at live events. Going forward, enjoy the rest of your weekend. For now, we're out. Peace. At Simple Mobile, you get the no contract advantage. Those other mobile companies make you think you're in control, but you're really not. They lure you in with shiny new phones and then lock you into long-term agreements. But Simple Mobile is different. You can get a 30-day plan starting at $25. You can also get the latest smartphones, or if you have a compatible phone you love, you can bring it. Just text BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. It's the reliability you need when you need it. All on a powerful nationwide 5G network. With no mystery fees, no activation fees, and no contract ever. All for less money and no contract 
ever. 5G-capable device and SIM required. Actual availability and coverage and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. 5G upload speed not yet available. Message and data rates may apply. Visit simplemobile.com slash privacy policy for privacy policy. Service plan required for activation. Terms at simplemobile.com.